Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have my friend Daniel Franco of Burnt Timber Outfitters based out of Heber, Arizona. Daniel, how are you doing? Great. How are you doing, Jay? Good. Um, obviously, you're probably excited about what's been going on the last couple months. Tell us about it. Uh, rain. Lots of rain. We've, we've even had some snow. Um, we've, uh, you know, typically... April and May, we don't see a ton of moisture, and uh, boy, this year's been off the charts. We've had uh, great moisture this spring, um, coming right off of a really, really wet winter. Uh, so, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to think of uh, what might be here in uh, in a few months come this fall. So, uh, I think with um, with the snow, the little snow that we got this morning. Uh, I think that makes 11 days of measurable precipitation in the month of May. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome. Normally we're we're dry and windy, and it's been it's been good. Daniel, obviously today uh, with the regulations coming up on June 11th, uh, the deer applications uh, being due, we're going to talk about deer. Uh, but I can't help but just have you on the phone and talk about uh, you know. You, you hunt 3C, 4B, 4A, uh, 23, Unit 1, um, all those rim country units, but you're born and raised right there in Hebrew, Arizona. Uh, I can't help but have you on the phone and talk about your thoughts moving forward with, um, you know, the elk season coming up, and we'll, we'll get to the deer in a minute, but uh, what are you thinking? Like, I mean, you're, you're in your 40s, uh, you've lived there your whole life i mean have you seen it like this is this like the old days or is this even like better than you've ever seen it you know i can remember a, a year or two when we had a you know this good of a winter um and rolled into this good of a spring and even early summer um i don't i mean don't remember a lot of them that's for sure they're not uh they're definitely few and far between um but yeah it's uh it's exciting to to get this kind of weather i mean we were we were long overdue especially uh with the pathetic moisture that we got last year and just as as dry as it was and and uh how how bad of a year that that uh computed into for us last year but um so yeah now are are you talking primarily antler growth um because correct me if i'm wrong i mean we had a horrible summer and horrible monsoon but didn't I mean, once the antlers were pretty much established, which was crappy, didn't you get some fall moisture, and then didn't it lead into winter moisture, and then obviously into spring moisture? Or am I wrong? Did it, did you not get you know September, October, November moisture? We did. We it actually started in August, um, actually July to be honest with you. We it started a little late last year in July. We always get our monsoon kick. Uh, it came in a little bit late last year. Um, right about the time the you know the bulls were were done growing, um, but yeah, we got moisture in August. We got moisture in September. In fact, we got so much moisture uh, in August that it actually created uh, quite a few problems. Um, I've got I've got a good friend of mine that that uh, that runs cattle, and uh, we we had a, a little outbreak of a noxious weed because we got so much moisture um, so fast in august that uh that a weed grew and it actually um actually killed uh 20 plus cattle of his uh that got into this weed and uh 
it, it was kind of a crazy, kind of a perfect storm type of deal. But, yeah, we got a ton of fall moisture um, all the way through uh, September, October. Uh, I can remember last year on the on the deer hunt, there was there was leading up to the deer hunt, we had a couple of, you know, really good rains. Um, so, yeah, definitely no shortage of moisture this year. Uh, had a great winter, uh, a number of of 8 to 10 to 12 inch snowstorms that came through. So, um, yeah, and then that's rolled right into into the spring um, and shoot right into May. So, yeah, we've had, uh, I, I think the last, uh, I've seen a couple of different things, um, but one of the one of the figures or one of the numbers that I saw uh, showed that uh, right here in, in Navajo County and Heber and, you know, 3C Unit 1 and, and whatnot, that we're about 170 to 180 percent above average uh, just for 2019 right now. So that doesn't actually take into account um, all the moisture. The that great did fall. Get. Yeah, the yeah. great fall that we got. So. so tell us what that equates to in your mind and how you think it's going to play out. Well, um, I mean, you can't help but be optimistic that that's going to produce some some giant elk antlers. Um, I mean, that's that's you know kind of the kind of what they need, and and the the timing's been great. And uh, so w- with that combined with uh, the you know drastic drought that we saw last year, um, there were a lot of bull. There were a lot of hunters that didn't fill their tags last year. Um, you know, specifically in 3A, 3C, uh, just because they didn't want to shoot a, you know, a 320 or even a 330 type bull. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those bulls were, you know, 30 plus inches undergrown. So, um, you know, for me, I, I'm looking at that with a little bit of a surplus of bulls coming from last year, put another year on them, bump them up another age class, and and now, you know, hit them with all this moisture and, and, and hopefully the nutrients, um, you know, that they get out of the, the new grass and everything. Uh, you can't can't help but be optimistic to think that it's going to produce uh, some big bulls this year. With that being said, um, I mean, do you see any – any negatives? Do you see anything like, oh, the, the winter was so long that you know they, they, you know they were in poor body condition because the winter was you know deep snow and and you know they didn't get started growing their antlers soon enough because uh, they held on to their antlers or you know or no, you you think that there's no negatives that this is I mean could be one of the best antler growth years we've seen in a long long time. I, I do. I, I don't see any negatives. Um, you know, being a, a an avid, you know, horn hunter, I from from what I saw, um, I think we we probably had uh, the majority of our mature bulls actually shed a little earlier this year than from what I've seen in past years. Um, you know, some of the some of the smaller younger bulls may have held on longer, but a lot of the mature bulls uh, they seemed to to shed a, a little bit earlier this year. Not not a ton, but a little. Um, so, that, so what does that tell you? What does that uh, what does that do? Well, so they start growing quicker, um, start growing faster. As soon as those horns come off, they're they're already in the process of growing. Um, so that gives us a you know hopefully a little bit longer uh, time frame to grow those horns. Um, 
and you know with the timing of the moisture and and the grass and 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 when it greened up and how it greened up um i mean it's just all positive there's there's no negatives going into this year as far as i'm concerned the elk that you've seen around um obviously the, the cows are getting ready to calve and what have you but what do they look like they look real fleshy do they look good they look really good in fact i can't keep them off my lawn half the time they're destroying the trees and, and lawn and everything but no they look really good um in fact i saw a bull uh two weeks ago one of my uh one of my last trips out to go look for for sheds um i jumped a bull that uh you know normally we see them grown out you know about out to their thirds um for a mature bull um sometimes a little more this this uh, one bull in particular was super heavy uh he was already uh, clear past his his fours, his royals or sword points, and had already forked back to uh, to his back end, starting you know getting ready to to start to fork on his on his G5. So um, that was that was nice to see. And he was he was a big bull. He was he was one of the big boys. And and you know a lot of the other bulls were past their thirds, uh, you know, getting to their G4s. Um, so yeah, that's that's exciting. Let's take just a quick second here. Um, you mentioned shed hunting, and I know you love it, and you, you do a really good job, and you really get into it. Let's talk about shed hunting a little bit, because I get a lot of people asking about shed hunting. Um, any tips that you'd give people uh, in, in you know trying to find areas where uh, bulls shed their antlers as far as, you know, are you... You looking at ridge tops? Or are you looking in the bottoms? Um, you know, certain vegetation level. Is there any tips that you could give people out there that you know you've you've learned over the years of you know look for this, look for that, and you know any anything like that? Um, you know, it it really depends on the area. I mean, I, I can you know growing up in in Heber, we spend a lot of our time shed hunting in, in Unit Four B and and Four A. Um, and you know, it seemed like the magical elevation number for for around here uh, used to be about 60, 65 to, to sixty seven hundred feet. That was kind of our kind of our magical elevation. Um, now, granted, you'll get you know bulls, resident bulls that live in that lower country that will that will shed down there. Um, but as far as as far as bulls that are getting pushed into their winter range uh, due to due to snow and whatnot, um, the thing I've learned over the years is is follow the snow line. Um, whenever you know, as fast as that snow's melting, that's as fast as those bulls are moving up um, back up into the into the higher country. So uh, that's something that you know we've kind of picked up and, and learned over the years. Um, you know, you can always you know find your resident bulls that live down lower. Um, you know, you, you'll find horns down there, but, but typically, especially with migrating bulls, uh, kind of follow that snow line. Um, I've, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been up in unit one and, and 27 and I've, I've found horns as high as 9,000 feet. Um, so it, there, there's not no, you know, magical elevation number. A lot of it depends on the unit, depends on the terrain, where those bulls are coming from and, uh, to, to spend the winter and, and going to be in the springtime when they shed, um, you know, it all, it all kind of plays in. So, um, I personally, I, I prefer the ridge tops because it's easier walking. Um, but I've, 
I've found a lot of horns. You know, it seems like a lot of other horn hunters do too. So uh, I'll walk a ridge top, and if I find boot prints or, or or whatever, just not finding horns like I think I should be, then I'll I'll drop off on the side hills and start working those. Um, you know, the biggest thing is just if you can scout, that's a huge plus. Try to find out where they're spending their time. Um, but you you almost kind of have to walk everything because they they travel a lot more than what people think in the springtime. A lot of people think, oh, they're you know they're getting ready to shed. They're going to stay right here. Well, that's not the case. Uh, they will travel quite a bit in the springtime. So uh, you almost just kind of have to walk everything. Look for the elk sign and and uh, put as many miles on your feet as you can until they want to kill you and hope to get lucky. <laughs> Do you, I mean, when you're kind of gridding back and forth, do you actually use, um, you know, mapping GPSs or anything like that, Onyx maps? Do you use something where you know where you've covered, or do you just kind of zigzag up and down, and, you, you know, do you follow a certain pattern or anything, or you just kind of go by feel, or how, how does it work? Uh, kind of by feel. I mean, a lot of a lot of stuff, if it's open enough terrain, um, you know, you could kind of work it without, needing to map it uh when i get into to that thicker you know pinon cedar country um i will use use my onyx maps to to know kind of where i'm going and and most of the time you know you just kind of look look at the terrain and look at the you know kind of the trails that are there and the and the tracks that you're seeing and and just try to follow their tracks and then kind of walk where you know where they would walk if they're in that uh in that country you know try to avoid the the big nasty thickets, even though we've, you know, we've picked up horns and some of that stuff. Um, you know, a lot of times they'll, they'll walk through the manzanita if it's, if it's not too tall, but a lot of times they're, they're going to take the path of least resistance. Um, and so it's just a kind of a, you just got to get a feel for the country where you're walking. And, uh, you know, my, my best advice would be follow the trails and follow the sign. You know, if there's yeah. a, if there's a side hill that's, you know, really beat up, work it really good, you know, grid it back and forth, up and down, and and uh, more than likely you'll you'll start picking up some horns. Let's talk about this elk season you have coming up. <clears throat> Obviously, you're optimistic about the antler growth. Um, where are you guys going to be spending most of your time, you and your guides? Uh, so we're going to be spending pretty much the majority of our time in 3A, 3C. Um, we do have uh, one of our uh, one of our guides' uh, wife drew a unit one, and then uh, a really good friend of ours uh, also drew unit one. So we'll have a couple of guys up in unit one, but uh, all of our uh, clients are in uh, 3A3C this year for the archery and the uh, and the early rifle. We've talked about before this early rifle hunt um, is actually in front. <clears throat> excuse me, in front of the archery season. Um, and we've talked about, I think you talked about big bulls potentially holding up on the res. Um, you know, what have you told your guys as far as expectations for the early rifle hunt and then the archery hunt? Um, you know, off the top of my head, I, I just, I can't imagine that, you know, the last week of that archery hunt, just a bugle fest, you know, um, that's, that's my opinion. What are you thinking? Uh, I, I agree. I mean, the the early rifle I think could be it could be really good, and it and it could be a little early. Um, I think we've talked about on on prior podcasts. It seems like the uh, you know there's there's been times where where we have 
big bulls that don't start showing up until, uh, you know, that couple of days right before the, the peak of the rut. So um, that could play a, a little bit of an issue in that early rifle hunt. Um, but I think with the, with the lack of hunting pressure, with there only being 25 tags, uh, I think that's going to make a difference. I think a lot of those bulls not hearing the vehicles that they normally hear and not, you know, having the hunting pressure that, that normally exists during that time because of the archery hunt, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that that'll kind of entice some of those bigger bulls to, to come over a little earlier. So, um, And as far as the archery hunt's concerned, um, because there's not a ton of that pressure early on, I, I definitely think that it's going to be just an absolute bugle fest because they're going to be able to get started. They're not going to be pressured. They're not going to get shut down. Um, and so when that archery hunt starts, it's, it's going to be just a madhouse, uh, just bugle mayhem. It, it's going to be phenomenal. Uh, my, my biggest concern going into this year, the archery season, is that archery hunt runs through the 3rd of October. Typically in, in 3A3 scene unit 1, uh, our rut tends to peak about the 20, 22nd through the 25th. Um, so there, there is that uh, little bit of concern that I have in the back of my mind about broken points and about fighting um, that will take place during that peak that um, I'm concerned about. Um, so towards the end of that hunt, uh, broken points could be an issue. I'm hoping with the moisture we're having um, that that prevents uh, elk from having, uh, you know, brutal horns and, and they don't break up as, as bad as we've seen in past years when it's been dry. So, What are your predictions as far as um, size of bulls in 3C, um, you know, kind of average, you know, good solid bulls, and then, you know, what do you think the top end will be? I mean, you think there will be some 390, 400-inch bulls taken, or you think that's, you know, probably pushing it a little bit? What are, you, what are your thoughts? You know, I think it, it's got the genetics. Um, I, I think the kicker is with, uh, like I said earlier, with, with there being so many bulls that got passed on last year, you know, that were mature bulls. Say they were, you know, five- or six-year-old bulls that were 30 inches undergrown that should have been 350 bulls that were 320. Um, you give them another year, um, and you give them the moisture that we're getting this year, that bull could easily go from a 320 bull to a, three, say, 370 to 380 type bull. So um, I think it could be possible. I, it would not surprise me one bit to see some some 390s and even a bull or two uh, that exceeds 400 inches come out of 3C this year. Um, I think the majority of what we're going to see is probably going to be in that 360 range uh, as far as mature bulls are concerned. Uh, and I still think we'll have, you know, a lot of the 320s and 30s and 40s that you got to, you know, weed through to find, to find those bigger bulls. So um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hoping I'm off a little bit. I'd like to see, um, see some bigger bulls than that. But um, that's kind of where I think we're going to be. Um, but, you know, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, normally we're having the conversation and we're saying, you know, handful of bulls over that 350 mark, you know, um, but you throw really good timing of moisture and what we've had, a good fall moisture. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like you're saying, you know, quite a few 360 bulls, whereas maybe it would normally be 345, 350 bulls. 
Um, but it isn't it always nice to dream and think about yeah. you know, some of the bulls <laughs> of the past in 3C that, you know, are, you know, 390 to 410, 415. Right. I mean, we've seen right. it. Well, and the only difference between those years and this year, in my opinion, is the age class. You know, the right. if you look back at the glory days of 3A, 3C, I mean, it was it was after the Rodeo Chittisky fire. Uh, it was when... When they shut the uh, tags down, you know, they limited the tags quite a bit. Well, they limited the tags a, a lot, actually, and, and I think what even helped us more than that was the entire west side of the Fort Apache Indian Reservation they had shut that down to their to their tribal weight hunt. So right. a lot of these bulls were able to come over, rut, go back, and and not get killed on the on the tribal weight hunt, so they were able to get some age to them. Uh, so right. I think that's the key, to, to get back to those, you know, glory days of 3CC. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember in, in 07 and 08, uh, everybody I talked to and everybody that was out hunting was was on a three seventy plus bull. I mean, there were a lot of bulls that got killed those years that were that were three seventy plus, um, and it seemed yeah. like everybody was was on a three eighty type bull. And, and so I think that's the key. You know, you get the moisture. We've got the genetics. Uh, it's it's a matter of getting our age class up, uh, and that will increase the the, the quality. Seems like I remember uh, in. I think it was 2004. A couple of blind squirrels come up there and shoot a four. <laughs> what was it? Four twenty something bull right out of right out of Daniel's backyard. Couple, couple of city slicker flatlanders couple come up. Couple city and... slick slickers come up. A <laughs> couple blind squirrels found a big old giant in Daniel's backyard. And as and as far as I know, that is still the biggest bull to date to come out of three A three C. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your trophy. Here's your okay, trophy. so it, exciting stuff for elk. Um, you know, looking at these deer regulations and looking at uh, the general deer in 3C, it looks like November 25th through November 3rd, 3A, 3C, 100 antler deer tags. One thing I'll point out to you, I don't know if you know, Daniel, but the moon is going to be new on the 28th. So those three days before and three days after, basically this I, entire hunt, it's going to be dark. I did know that. I looked at that. And, and I think you said November, but it's actually October. Yeah, sorry. October, October, October yeah. 25th. October 25th yeah. okay. to November 3rd. Um, let, let's start out with, let's just start out with how much do you think having a dark moon, you've been on that hunt a bunch, you guys have killed some phenomenal bucks, how much do you think that that will actually help and make the hunt better? Uh, it's going to help a lot, and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, there's only 100 tags, but to be honest with you, it feels like more than that when you're out there hunting in 3A3C during that rifle hunt. Um, so, you know, a lot of these big bucks, they're smart. You know, there's a lot of roads, um, in 3A3C, which, which doesn't help. Um, there's a lot of, you know, people on the roads. There's, there's uh, that, that general cow hunt that takes place, uh, just before the deer hunt. Um, so, so they basically get pressure starting from the beginning of the archery deer hunt all the way through, even though they're not being, you know, chased personally. Uh, there's just a lot of people. A lot of pressure. So those big bucks, they're not dumb. I mean, they don't get big for being dumb. Um, and so a lot of times when you do have a moon, they're able to go nocturnal. They're able to stay bedded 
clear up until right before dark. They get up, they feed all night long, and they're bedded by first light, which makes it really hard to glass up, especially with the with the burn, the old rodeo cheddar sky burn, uh, growing back up, and all the new growth that's coming up. It, it's it's getting pretty thick. Um, so those bucks are able to basically completely avoid people uh, when there's a moon during that hunt. So by going to a new moon this year, uh, we'll have the dark of the moon. They're not going to be up feeding and moving near as much uh, with it being that dark. So that's going to help uh, in in picking them up first thing in the morning and, and before dark, uh, getting eyes on them and, and being able to, you know, utilize that and, and put a stock on them. So That's a really good point. I want to take just a quick second here to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson, my friend of 20-plus years, is the optics manager. I call him the glassing guru. If you guys have any binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, tripod, anything to do with glassing, if you're looking to purchase uh, any new optics, give Cody a call. He's promised me that he's going to take care of the J. Scott Outdoors listeners. Uh, you can call him at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. You can also send him an email directly at optics at gohunt.com. I'll also link this up in the show notes. I want to thank GoHunt for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu. That's K-U-I-U. Dot com Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, that is the hunting gear, the clothing, the backpacks, all of the gear that I wear on my hunts. Uh, go to Kuyu, K-U-I-U.com to find out more about that. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Canyon Coolers, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Canyon Coolers, if you guys are looking for a cooler, use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, also, Phonescope.com. Uh, that's the digiscoping device that I use on my phone. If you go on my Instagram page, all of the videos and photos that you see of animals, that's all through uh, PhoneScope. Go to PhoneScope.com. Use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount. Uh, and then OnXMaps.com. You hear Daniel talk about using OnX. I use OnX. Uh, pretty much anyone I know that's a serious hunter use OnX Maps. If you don't, you can save 20% by going to onxmaps.com. Use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to save 20% uh, when you sign up. It's got an awesome feature there on your phone. It's, it's an app on your phone. You don't need to carry a GPS anymore. Uh, it's got the private versus the public land overlay. It's got the aerial. It's got the topo. It's got the hybrid. It's got the breadcrumb feature You know that follows your track uh, to and from. You can ex- import, export uh, out of the Google Earth. They also have a desktop feature on onyxmaps.com. Uh, where you have all your data stored on, on your desktop, only you have the password to it. And then you can go on and put uh, plot points and you know search on the aerial on the desktop and put it right. Uh, as soon as you put it on the desktop, you, up, you just turn on your phone and it's automatically transferred over onto your phone. It's an incredible app. Uh, go to onxmaps.com, use the JSCOT19 promo code, you're going to save 20%. Okay, Danny, we've talked about the moon with um, 3C, with these deer. Um, let's talk about years past. You guys have had some phenomenal years in 3C with some really good bucks. It seems like uh, maybe last year, obviously, the, the antlers for elk and for deer were not as good. Um, I don't think you guys did near as well last year as the year before. 
you talked about it with the elk. Um, you know, a bunch of elk did not get shot. Does that play the same thing with the, the deer in that, you know, were there deer that did not get harvested? You throw another year on them. And do you think that this could rival 2017? Uh, the, you know, you guys, 16 and 17, you had, you know, shot some really good bucks. Talk about that a little bit. You know, I think so. I've, I've gone back and looked at, uh, you know, our, our, our deer quality, um, on years when we had, uh, good elk antler growth, uh, and kind of compared, you know, back and forth between the elk antler growth and the deer antler growth. And obviously they're hand in hand. Um, you know, 17 was a good year, um, for both elk and, and especially for deer, um, 16 as well. You know, the years that it seemed like that, that we struggled, uh, to find big bulls, it, it, you know, happened the same thing. We, we struggled to find big deer. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty optimistic going into last year based on some of the bucks that we had left behind. Um, you know, we did start to get some of those monsoon rains that I thought would help the deer, and especially with all the rains that we got in, in August. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I was disappointed uh, last year in, in what we saw, and uh, uh, the drought definitely took uh, its effect on the mule deer. Um, mostly the front ends, it seemed like everything we saw uh, was, was struggling on the front ends and, and mass. So going into this year, uh, we did leave uh, a couple of bucks that were promising um, that, uh, you know, given another year and given, given the right moisture. Um, I know last year it, we talked in the podcast, I talked about acorns. Um, I was hoping we were going to get an acorn crop last year, and we didn't. Um, I don't know that I saw a single acorn last year in all of 3C, which which definitely hurt the mule deer, um, hurt the quality. So, um, you know, going into this year, um, I'm I, I'm hoping that we're we're going to rival 2016 and 2017. Um, it seems like just personally something that I've noticed. Uh, it seems like the elk definitely rebound a lot quicker uh, from droughts than than what I've noticed in the mule deer. Uh, it almost seems like to me that the mule deer, you know, almost take, you know, two good years to, to really rebound and, and turn around and bounce back. Um, you know, I think of uh, 2009, um, it, it, it wasn't hurting as far as moisture was concerned, um, but for some reason, uh, you know, the elk didn't run in 09, the, the, the outlet growth was down a little bit, um, and kind of hurt, and, and we saw that as well in, in the deer. Uh, yet in 2010, antler growth was up for the elk. Everything was, you know, they rut. They had a really good rut. Everything seemed to kind of be going with the flow. And in 2010, um, that was another banner year for us where we killed a, a number of, of really big bucks. Um, so I, I kind of look at that um, and kind of compare that to, you know, just previous years, and, and I'm hoping for, you know, a, a substantial change in the in the quality this year in 3c for the deer so daniel um how long has it been i i remember there used to be a youth i believe there used to be a youth rifle hunt and they they wiped out a bunch of you guys wiped out you know shot some pretty good bucks on that youth hunt how many years now has it been where that youth hunt hasn't been in front of the general rifle season so I believe they did away. I know that it was in place in 2010 uh, because we killed a couple of bucks in 2010 on that on that junior hunt. 
uh, I believe it was either 10 or 11 uh, was the last year that they did that, that junior hunt uh, before the general deer hunt. Okay. So, it's, so it's there's been plenty of, of time for it to, to, to take, to, you know, to really show its effect, but it really hasn't. I'm sure it's helped, but, um, and then, you know, to the archers, it looks like there's 75 tags for the archers, tags. I believe. I mean, is that 3A3C archery hunt, is that a very good hunt or is it extremely tough? It's a really good hunt if, if you want to chase bucks all day. Um, if you're looking for a giant, it, it's not that great of a hunt. Um, I mean, you, the, the odds of killing a 200-inch deer on the archery hunt in, in 3C are extremely slim. Um, I can think of, off the top of my head, I can think of maybe two bucks. Uh, that have ever been killed in 3A3C on the archery deer hunt. And both of those have been since uh, they did away with that junior hunt and have, have turned it to an alternative management. Um, uh, it's a great hunt. Uh, you'll see a lot of bucks, um, you know, and, and a lot of solid bucks. Um, if you're, you know, typically, you know, you can chase, you know, 100, 160, 170-inch deer all, almost almost every day uh, on that archery hunt. So, um Definitely can be a fun hunt if you love to bow hunt, uh, love to chase mule deer. It, it's a, I mean, primarily spot and stock. Um, you know, get up glass, find the bucks, uh, devise a plan, and and uh, try to get within bow range of them. So, um, you know, the biggest issue with that archery hunt, and I've, I've, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast as well. Um, our our deer here are are later than than your Utah and your, your Colorado and even your Arizona strip deer and Kaibab deer. Uh, they rut later, which in turn means that they, they hold on to their antlers a little later. Their growing period starts later, um, and they, they rub quite a bit later. But it, it, because of that, by the time that archery hunt starts, our deer are still growing. Um, whereas on you know Utah and the strip and some of these other places, um, towards the end of their archery hunts, the bucks start to rub. Our, our bucks in 3A3C uh, typically do not start to rub until the end of September. Okay. Daniel, when you were a kid, correct me if I'm wrong, when there wasn't as many elk, I mean, can you remember as a kid just <laughs> just giant deer and just deer everywhere? And, and yeah, I mean, it's, there's no doubt that the elk have really, you know, yes, 3C is an alternative manage, management unit, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. When you were a kid, when there was not as many elk, there were deer everywhere. There was, there was, there was. I mean, I, I can remember, you know, archery deer hunting as a kid. Uh, you know, in the in the eighth grade and 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 going into high school, uh, we would go out in the morning and just drive roads. I mean, that was that was all we did. That's that's kind of how we learned to hunt. Was just drive roads, see a deer, jump out, fling an arrow at it, go grab your arrow, get back in the in the truck, and and keep going until you found another one i mean it was it was pretty common to get two or three shots in the morning uh at at bucks because there was there was a lot of deer i i can remember as a uh kid in i believe i was in junior high uh and we were actually out deer hunting uh with a with a friend of mine on a rifle deer tag and we we drove up on a group of elk and i remember thinking i, I remember being impressed because it was it was some of the first elk that i had that i had ever seen um, I may have been in grade school. I don't recall exactly, but I remember seeing them and thinking, wow, that's an elk. That's awesome. 
because it was it was three C used to be you know primarily a a, a deer unit uh, it used to just be full of deer and, and very few elk and and uh, boy that's that's changed. <laughs> yeah. All right. So will it surprise you if multiple two hundred inch buck come out of three C this year? Or yes. Do you think that's pushing it? It would surprise you. I, I I think that's pushing it. I think that's pushing it. I mean, we, you know, we do have the genetics, uh, you know, kind of falls in line with the elk. I think we've got to get the age um, to to get th- these bigger bucks to, to break that 200-inch mark. I mean, it, to the best I can recall, um, and I'm just kind of pulling this number off the top of my head, but I can only think of probably seven or eight bucks over 200 inches that have been killed in 3A3C in the last, oh, I would say 10 or 12 years. Um, okay. You know, it just we that don't have the genetics. Right, right. Yeah. We don't have the genetics of the Arizona. We're we're not the Arizona Strip. You know, we don't we don't claim to be. It, it, we're not that good. Sorry. Um, you know, <laughs> we're the Kayabab is 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 a great unit. Um, you know, their late hunts are phenomenal. Um, I would put it up against their early hunts. Um, in fact, in, in looking at uh, harvest data and everything, uh, 3A3C actually has um, a higher success rate. Um, and from what I've seen, uh, I would say our quality is is as good, if not a little better, than the than the early Kayabab hunts. But as far it's as you know, 200 inch mule deer, it's it's you know, there's not one behind every tree. Um, there's there's some here, but they're they're hard to find, and they're, they're even harder to kill. Yeah. While I have you here, um, y- you know, I'm going to ask you about a few units because uh, I get a lot of people wanting to know about, you know, different units. They're like, I want to hear something other than the Kaibab, other than the Strip. Okay. <laughs> so we're talking about 3C, but, but let's talk about Unit 1, uh, and I'm going to go through them here. I'm going to talk about 1, 4A, 4B, uh, uh, you know, maybe 2A, 2B, 2C, if you know anything about that, and then 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just start with Unit 1. Well, before I get to that, I noticed that the 3A, 3C is any antler deer. Um, that is correct. I assume most of the deer are mule deer, but and I'm trying to think. I've seen a few whitetails, coos deer in 3C, but very few. Is the reason, I mean, do you know many people that shoot a coos deer during the 3C you know, general season? Very, very, very few. It seems like every year uh, we may hear of one. Um, okay. Not very often. Um, in, in all the cameras and stuff that we've ran over the years, um, we have two different salt licks that actually get coos deer on them regularly. Um, yeah. yeah, otherwise it's I would, I would assume the coos would be like right on those rim edges and stuff, um, the yeah. areas of 3C where it's right off, right along the rim, you might get some of those right, coos deer right, right along there on those yeah. edges. Right along the reservation. Right. There, there's actually quite a few on the reservation. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to, you know, some guys that, that know some of the Indians that have hunted uh, their, their deer hunt over there and and have killed, you know, some, some bomber coos deer, some 120-type coos deer, uh, I mean, less than a mile from the, from the fence boundary, so um, you know they're they're definitely there. The reservation definitely has them. Uh, they just they don't spill over into three C very often. We'll see them every now and then, uh, but very very seldom. So, 
Okay. Let's talk about unit one for deer. Um, is it known for, for very good deer hunting or not? You know, it could be. <laughs> um, after the fire, after the wallow fire, we really saw an increase in the mule deer in unit one. Uh, unfortunately, um, the, the tag numbers and the, the pressure, um, it, it's just knocked that unit down to where the quality and even the numbers uh, we've seen a huge decrease in numbers over the last, you know, three or four years. Um, just too many tags. Um, it, it, it could be a really good unit. Um, it's got a lot of the same vegetation, elevation, um, you know, same uh, same type of situation as what we have in 3C after the fire with, with Unit 1 after the wall of fire. Uh, but unfortunately, like 3C, uh, it's just had you know, such a large number of tags that, that unfortunately it, you know, it hurts its quality and it, it hurts its, its quantity even. Um, so yeah. definitely not, um, definitely not as good as it could be. It, it could be a lot better than it is. Um, those first couple of years after the fire, it was, it was pretty good. Um, and unfortunately it suffered since then. What about, do you know anything about 2A, 2B, 2C? Uh, I do. It's, uh, it's tough. It's a tough unit. There's not a lot of deer. Um, there's not a lot of vantage points. It, it, it's a lot of low country, a lot of cedar, um, a lot of that, uh, you know, big cedar buck country that, that's that's really hard to hunt. Um, kind of similar to the strip in the uh, in the text that it's it's uh, you can track a deer. It's one of the few areas, you know, where you can get out after rain and you can get on a set of buck tracks and you can track that buck down. And uh, and kill him if you're if you're smarter than he is, um, but yeah, deer numbers are, are extremely low. Um, quality seems like the quality has slipped there as well. It seems like it was was quite a bit better, uh, you know, five, six, seven years ago uh, than it is now. But there's definitely pockets. Um, a lot of the locals, you know, in St. Johns and and uh, some of that country over there, they 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 know that country well. They they spend a lot of time in it, um, and and they seem to be you know the most successful uh, in those units. So um, we'll come back to three B. But what about four A, four B? I mean, I can remember four A used to have just tons of deer. But I mean, they, I'm looking at the rifle tags. They have 314 rifle tags in those two units. Yeah, combined for the two units. Um, those yeah. those units struggle. Um, I, I can remember as a kid, and I can remember, you know, in high school, uh, running over to, to, to 4A to, to archery deer hunt, and, and the deer numbers were substantially better back then than they are now. Uh, I, st I still spend quite a bit of time in 4B and 4A, you know, especially in the spring looking for sheds, and, I mean, we, we don't see very many deer over there. Um, definitely... Uh, Similar to Unit Two in the in the in the same essence that there's not a lot of deer, um, they can be really hard to locate, um, but it's but it's not impossible to locate some good bucks. There's you know in some of the, a lot of that you know northern flat cedar country, uh, there are still some really big bucks in in both 4B and 4A, uh, but they're few and far between. They're hard to find and and like I said, they're hard to find and even harder to kill. Um, but there's there's some deer, but but overall, generally, uh, very few deer. Very very tough hunt. 
I noticed 3B does not have a rifle hunt, but they've got a muzzleloader hunt October 25th to November 3rd. 3B, it looks like, any antler gear, 100 tags. I know 3B used to really kind of, for that area up there, 3B was kind of known as probably one of the better deer units. Where does it stand now? Um, you know, 3B, so it, it's one of those units that is actually a designated, uh, designated muzzleloader unit. They don't have any rifle hunts in that unit uh, for elk or deer. Um, and so that's helped uh, by, make, by making it, you know, a, a, a primitive weapon unit um, that has helped the deer numbers. Um, the lower country definitely produces the better quality Um you know, same story, fewer deer, harder to find. Uh, but if you can find those pockets of bucks, uh, you can you can kill some pretty good bucks out of there. I've seen a few bucks come out of there uh, these last four or five years that are that are good solid bucks. Um, you know, bucks that are that are encroaching that uh, that 180 mark. Uh, seems like the higher country of 3B, uh, a few more deer, but the quality uh, isn't there. So it's it, it's kind of got that that. Uh, diverse terrain between you know, all the way from the high country clear down to the to the cedar flat low country um, yeah, and based off of what I've seen um, and and from my experience out there the, the low country produces uh, the better quality the high country produces the the quantity and you've got unit 23 um, that's close to your house as well 23 it looks like November 1st uh, through the 7th, and there's 550 mule deer tags in 23. What are your thoughts on 23 mule deer? Uh, you couldn't give me that tag. <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts. Uh, it used to have as, mu as many as 650 tags. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think there's 650 mule deer in 23. I mean, you, you spent a bunch of time <laughs> in that unit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I've I mean, seen that many bucks in the unit. Um, yeah, that's pretty grossly, few and far between. Grossly overhunted, uh, which is sad because there again, I think it's got potential to to be a lot better unit than it is. Um, you know, and I think the other thing you've got to look at is they also have a junior hunt in there that uh, starts around that second week of October. Um, that I believe is 125 tags. Um, in my opinion, that's the better hunt. Uh, you get first crack at those deer. Uh, it isn't any deer, so you can actually shoot a mule deer or a whitetail on that junior hunt, whereas uh, the rest of the hunts are broken down into mule deer specific or whitetail specific. Right. Um, so, so in essence, uh, th there's over a thousand tags, deer tags, in unit 23 for both both mule deer and whitetail, um, which is yeah. which is easily more in your opinion, more mule deer than even exist in the unit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in 23, and, I mean, it's a, I've, I've seen more whitetail bucks than I have mule deer bucks. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> it's kind of sad. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a tag where if you came up and said, hey, here's a tag, it's not going to hurt your points, just go have fun and go hunt. I wouldn't take it. <laughs> it's just, it's, I, I, I'm one of those guys that when I hunt, I want, you know, I want to be, you know, and I don't mind other, other hunters and, and, and hunting pressure, but, I mean, that's, that's way overboard. That's getting ridiculous, so. 
that that to me that takes the fun out of it. Yeah, if I want Daniel, to I always a bunch of hunters. Yeah, I, I mean, if that's I want to go bump into a bunch of hunters, hunters. I'll, yeah, I'll I'll go to the uh, I'll go to the hunting expos and the SEI shows. Want to go talk to the hunters? Um, <laughs> if I'm hunting deer, I want to hunt deer. So that's that's my two cents on the unit. Yeah. Daniel, it's always awesome having you on the podcast. Um, you got any tags that you've drawn or anything that you're eyeballing from a personal standpoint? Um, any animal across the West uh, that, you're, that you're eyeballing or think you might draw or, or already have tags in your pocket or you mainly just focused on guiding this year? Uh, I have zero tags in my pocket at this point. Um, I don't want to jinx myself, but I would really, really like a desert sheep tag, but I doubt that's going to happen. But uh, you're not going to sit and wait, wait by the mailbox for the tag, are no, you? No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a realist. I'm a realist, and I, uh, I'm not even going to hold my breath. I'm not even, I'm not even going to probably check because I know I'm not going to draw. But uh, no, nope, nothing, uh, nothing this year. So yeah, we're 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 lined up uh, pretty solid on guiding this year. So. We'll focus on that and uh, kind of looking at maybe next year. Um, I'll have the points. Me and one of my other guides, um, we're kind of kind of taking it day by day, but uh, potentially looking at, at possibly doing the three C rifle tag next year for for myself and, and Jay Lewis. So uh, might do that next year. We'll kind of see how this year plays out and uh, go from there. Otherwise, I'll continue to fly for the Arizona Strip. There you go. I'm. I'm up to 18 points now, so at least I'm I'm slowly but surely getting closer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was looking slowly at the Gohan odds. Yeah, I mean, I really hadn't looked at the Gohan odds that seriously. And last night, I was just kind of thumbing through, just kind of just going through, looking, and I'm like, I got 18 points. I wonder how. I wonder if that even. And I look on there, I'm like, wow, it says 18 points is a resident in 13A that I'm 100 percent. Mm-hmm. So I text Rimza, I'm like, hey, uh, it says 13A because I talked to Brett yesterday and I did a podcast with Clay uh, the day before and Clay Bundy the day before and um, Brian's like, yeah, but think about all the people that didn't apply last year that will jump into the draw this year. Yeah. He's like, you don't have a chance. I'm like, oh, thanks yep. for bursting my bubble. And then, yep, it, you right. know, ironically, it said 67% for 18 points as a resident with for 13B and I'm like, well, says I have, you know, I'm thinking 67%. That's, you know, that's that's starting to get pretty good. He's like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's going to get skewed because he said people yeah. will jump in that, you know, we're sitting on the sidelines last year. Oh, yeah. But at least at least I can start thinking about it. Like, I have, you know, I'm You're starting to get to the point where I'm getting, <laughs> getting a chance where at least I go check the mailbox. Yeah. I mean, it's been where I don't even yeah. check anymore. Yep. So, so Dar and I were actually looking at that the other day, and uh, in the max pool in 13B, if everything follows suit, with 20 points, you've got about a 30% chance of pulling the tag in the max pool. Yeah. So there's 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 reality for you. Like I said, I'm a realist, and there's your reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally so. deflated my. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, it's out, always nice to drink. Go fly and go hit the river. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Daniel, I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can uh, find out more about you guys, your guide service, Burnt Timber Outfitters, and uh, follow you, call you, whatever it may be. So um, I'll give you the floor for that. Uh, probably the best way, and I'm going to throw a little disclaimer in here. We're we're pretty bad about staying up on our on our social media. Um, you know, we get busy with life and and hunts and stuff, and it. Unfortunately, it kind of goes by the wayside, and, and we need to do better on that. But uh, you can actually follow us on uh, Instagram, uh, at Burnt Timber Outfitters. Uh, we also have a, a uh, Facebook page that we tend to update about three times a year, uh, and that's Burnt Timber Outfitters as well. Uh, you can also check out our website at BurntTimberOutfitters.com, uh, and we will be uh, actually changing our – we're revamping our website right now getting ready to change that and update that, and uh, we'll have that going a little later this summer. So um, both, uh, all of those avenues have uh, ways you can get a hold of us either through email or our cell phone numbers where you can call and talk to us, email us questions, text us, however. So. Good stuff. I want to end with, do you remember in the heyday when I was running around up there for probably four or five years with you? in the spring and you'd go one way, I'd go another, Mike, you'd go another, Dar'd go another, and we'd come back to eat there at uh, the Rim Cafe and we'd say, how many did you hear? And I'd say, ah, I heard 12 or 13, and Dar'd say, oh, I heard 8 or 9, and Daniel, oh, I heard 14 birds, and Mike, he'd say, oh, I heard, you know, 6 or 7. How many gobbles did you hear in 3C in the spring this year? Zero. <laughs> what no. has happened it's just now before horrible. before i before i continue on let me explain so i love to turkey hunt you know that just as well as as anybody i love to turkey hunt it, it's it's i love I, it, it's just uh, it's fun to do i just absolutely love it and, and in the past 3c has been phenomenal well the last couple of years it has just absolutely tanked uh, to the point where I won't even put my girls in and draw them one of the junior tags. Um, so this year we did not apply. We did not get a junior tag. I told them, you know what, let's just go to Unit 1. Well, with the amount of snow that we had in Unit 1 and the amount of roads that were closed, I knew that was going to be an absolute disaster. Um, so we ended up not going, which was definitely the right move. Uh, there was tons of people. Uh, everybody was centralized because there was only so many roads that you could drive. So I only went out two different times in 3C and actually listened for birds, once in the morning and once in an afternoon, and I did not hear a gobble in 3C this year. And what's crazy that people need to understand, they're listening like, you know, when 3C was good, you would literally go like 25 or 30 mornings in a row of not missing a morning, maybe other than Sundays, um, but literally, you know, weekdays during, you know, work days, you'd still be up at 3.30. I would call you and I'd be like, how many did you hear this morning? Oh, I heard 14. Oh, I heard 16. I heard 8. I heard 7. I heard 14. Like, you would go every single day and now it's just like, eh. Absolutely. I, I can remember one morning, in fact, I think it was, it was either you or Mike called me, hey, you know, how, how many of you here today? And I, I had made a loop that was, you know, I, I had kind of figured out, you know, this was, this was my, my best loop. I could take this road. There was birds here, 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 here. 
and I could make that loop. And I remember one morning, and it was probably about 2007 or 2008, and that one morning I heard 32 different gobblers in that in that one morning loop. Uh, and in 07, uh, we killed 14 birds out of 3C in 2007 that we actually called in. And, you know, I killed, Mike killed, his boy killed, a, fa- a family friend killed, you killed, Dar killed. Um, I mean, we killed, I think, 14 in 2007. And it used to be phenomenal. Oh, it used to be Like, phenomenal. it used it, to be as, I mean, I would, I would take a 3C tag. Uh, I would, let's, let's reiterate. I would take a junior's 3C tag as much as I would take a White Mountain Apache tag. Like, it was Absolutely. every bit as good as the White Mountain Apache, the junior son. And yep. what happened? Just, they're just gone? So, so <laughs> they're gone, Jake. Uh, I did <laughs> not see a turkey all last fall. Um, and it, it just continues to get worse and worse. I, I can remember when you brought your nephews up, and uh, they had 3C junior tags, and that opening morning, there were, what was there, 20, 22 gobblers in front of us with about 40 hens, and we called in numerous birds, missed shots. Um, yeah, it'd be like, we let's miss a shot, day. and, yeah, miss a shot, and Dan would be like, that's all right, let's just go down the road. We go down the road a mile, get out, three more birds. Okay, yep. miss that one, let's go down the road, and, you know, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. It was. It, now it you're was, saying you go insane. all fall and you, you you go all fall and you didn't even see a turkey. That's just yep. crazy. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. You know, and I, and same thing. I I credit a lot of that to the reservation. Uh, if you look at the heyday of three C turkey hunting, it was you know starting in oh five oh six oh seven oh eight oh nine. Well, in oh nine is when they started hunting on that west side again. That's when they finally got all the roads cleared out on the Apache side. They yeah. they finally opened it back up. They started hunting it, and it's just gone downhill ever since. So, wow. yeah, it, it, it's sad. It's sad. It's, uh, you know, it's sad to think of what it used to be and what it is today, and, and, yeah, it's to the point where I won't even apply for it. It's just, it's that bad. I mean, if I want to, yeah. if I want to go struggle to find a turkey, I'll, I'll go to, I'll go to 44. I mean, that's about as about as fun as it is. Go down in the desert and try to find a turkey. That's what it's like in 3C anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Have just as good a chance. <laughs> just as good a chance. Oh. Bird. <laughs> well, all oh, right, well. buddy. Well, we can dream for better days on the turkey front. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us about elk and deer and um, uh, wish you the best of success this fall. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll bet you guys are going to do great this year. So, Uh, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. I'll catch you later, okay? All right. Thank you, Jay. All right, buddy. God bless. Bye.